Typical 44. The woman who previously stalked late-night host David Letterman, stealing his Porsche and sleeping near the tennis courts of his home in Connecticut, kneels in front of a train in Colorado. The House of Representatives authorizes an impeachment inquiry against President Clinton. Sportscaster Marv Albert's criminal record is wiped clean after a year of good behavior. Two teens in Wyoming pretend to be gay and lure an openly gay kid to a remote area and beat and rob him and chain him to a fence where he's discovered 18 hours after. He dies less than a week later from his beating. President Clinton signs legislation meant to prepare the government for the upcoming millennium bug problem, something about banks not being able to recognize the year 2000 because they previously used only two digits instead of four when writing computer software. Not just banks, but lots of problems, maybe on the horizon. Some say it'll be the end of civilization when computers think the year 2000 is really the year 1900. The actor Michael J. Fox, who played that kid you loved on that show when you were a kid, and all the Back to the Future movies, too, announces he has Parkinson's disease. The New York tabloids are ablaze with headlines about the comedian Jerry Seinfeld and a woman he met at a health club who was recently married to the son of a prominent theater family. The woman ends the marriage after four months and begins dating Seinfeld. President Clinton settles with Paula Jones over her lawsuit without admitting any wrongdoing. Among your cherished responsibilities working at Harold Ober is opening the mail. As a kid, you would join fan clubs and send away for things just to have a reason to run to the mailbox. At Ober, the mail arrives in two or three mail bags every afternoon, and it's your job to sort the query letters, manuscripts, royalty statements, fan mail, and the like. The most interesting mail is always from J.D. Salinger, bearing a typewritten return address somewhere in Vermont. The envelopes usually stuffed with items Salinger considers a nuisance, or matters he needs his agent, your boss, to handle directly. The cover letter to his agent, your boss, is never signed, though Salinger prints his name. Anything with his signature is considered valuable, and owing to some contracts recently stolen from the agency that handles his foreign rights, you spend a couple of days photocopying all of Ober's correspondence and contracts involving Salinger and shredding the originals under the eye of your boss. There is something admirable in the way Salinger refuses any of his work to be reprinted or adapted the television show Freaks and Geeks writes for permission to use a copy of The Catcher in the Rye as a prop in a scene, and Ober responds with Salinger's long-standing policy against such a thing. Hoping the producers wouldn't ferret out that when the Mel Gibson-Julia Roberts movie Conspiracy Theory asked to use the book as a central prop to the movie, and were told no, they realized they didn't need permission. A startup called Amazon sends over a script for a proposed television commercial featuring delivery of a box to a house in the woods wherein the house's occupant merely slats the blinds as the delivery person walks past a mailbox emblazoned with the name Salinger, which Ober declines, even though you all laugh about it around the office. But any whiff of infringement is no laughing matter. 
The FBI has been involved in a case going back to the 1970s when someone offered for sale a book of all 22 of Salinger's short stories, selling them all over the country, out of the back of a vehicle no one could describe, by a bookseller that no one could identify. The burgeoning internet provides an avenue for further sales of the bootleg book, and when Ober notices it for sale on the auction site eBay, we write them a letter demanding they remove the item. eBay's initial response is the standard fare that outside of body parts and other egregiousness, they are not responsible for the content of auctions transacted on their site, but a second letter warning them of their complicity in trafficking in copyright infringement brings the desired result. And you are assigned a new daily routine perusing eBay for illegal Salingeralia. The question you feel the most from friends is whether or not the catcher in the rye will ever be made into a movie. And you say not in the author's lifetime. It's his wish for all his work that none of it be adapted for film. Some story about a disaster at the time one of his short stories was filmed with his permission so when an advance article appears in the New York Times about an Iranian film festival at Lincoln Center that will feature a film based on Salinger's Franny and Zoe, the Ober forces mobilize quickly. The attorney Ober keeps on retainer on Salinger's behalf is apprised of the situation, and though there's no copyright convention between the United States and Iran preventing the making of the film, the fact that the film is being shown on United States soil will make it easy to quash on the grounds that it is a violation of Salinger's copyright. Your boss lays this out in a letter to Salinger with the note asking for further instructions from him. The timing is bad, though, as your boss is leaving on one of the scarce vacations she takes, so in her letter to Salinger, she tells him just to call and talk to you about what he wants to do. Your boss tells you that the author is suffering from some deafness and that you'll have to shout into the phone if he calls. You don't think he'll really call, so you're surprised when you pick up the phone at your desk and the deep, gravelly voice on the other end says your name with a question mark at the end in an accusatory way and then says, Salinger here. I think we ought to do something about this thing. You tell him, You'll give the message to the lawyer, and Salinger says, very good, and then, goodbye. When you hang up, you're a little shaken by what has just transpired. The same as if you'd seen a ghost. The lawyer stops the showing at Lincoln Center, and the whole matter disappears, just like that. You've been listening to Typical of the Times, Growing Up in the Culture of Spectacle by Jamie Clark, who under the pseudonym J.D. West, is the author of the Golden Age detective novel, The Disappearance of Swenson's Secretary. 